Hi, this is Freddie Smith, your host of Arkansas Voices, where we explore the diverse voices from Arkansas. This segment is with Work Saban. I wanted to get to sit down and get to know him and, what, and see all the things that he's doing. I hope that you enjoy. So I'd like to start, like, what is your name? My name is Warwick Saban. Okay, what, what exactly do you do? Well, I'm the Senior Director for U.S. Programs here at Winrock International. So I oversee all of our economic and community development work in the United States. And a lot of that is uh, diverse in that we are helping small business owners uh, and entrepreneurs all over the state of Arkansas and other states, um, as well as uh, putting forward accelerator programs to help high-tech startups get launched in this part of the country. Um, we also started a program called the Delta I Fund that makes uh, early stage capital available to uh, businesses as they're trying to validate their product. So we're really trying to cover all aspects of the entrepreneurial and small business ecosystem to build our communities and economies, uh, in, especially in rural areas. How did, how did this nonprofit start? Well, Winrock has a pretty uh, storied history here in Arkansas. It's called Winrock because uh, Governor Winthrop Rockefeller, in essence, uh, left his estate to uh, create this organization. And it started back in the 1970s, and over time it's grown uh, to really work all over the world in different kinds of development aspects. And so we assist with agriculture, clean energy and water, civil society and education, as well as the domestic work that we do here in the U.S. Okay, okay. So you, so you, you do like a lot of like national work all, all over. What, what type of projects have you worked on recently? Well, I mean, again, we're, we're working right now on the Innovate Arkansas program, which uh, is a statewide program that helps uh, get high-tech startups uh, whatever kind of assistance they need, whether it's technical assistance or uh, capital development. Uh, we're running an accelerator program down in South Louisiana. Okay. We're doing uh, workforce development work in uh, the western part of the state out of Fort Smith. Uh, we run the Arkansas Women's Business Center, which covers the whole state and helps women-owned and minority-owned businesses get started and, and grow. Uh, we've done different kinds of community and develop, development work in small towns around Arkansas, like Lake Village, uh, Marie and Joyner in Northeast Arkansas. Um, it's, it's a really diverse portfolio, but it's all toward trying to empower people through building their economies and making their communities better places to live. So let's, let's for the listeners and for myself, if somebody, so somebody come to you with an idea, how, how did it start? Sure. Well, and that happens sometimes, and there are a lot of folks who come and, and have some really good ideas, and I think our job here at Winrock is to try to figure out how to implement that idea in the field, because that's where our expertise lies. Um, so the beginning is, you know, coming up with, in essence, a proposal that would outline the project, you know, the, the rationale for it, the reasons why it you know, needs to happen, how it would be implemented, and the impact it would have and then we look for funding to support that project um, and then if we're able to secure that funding then our job is to implement it in a very responsible way to make sure that you know we are meeting our promises uh, delivering on what we said we were going to do and in, in essence executing with accountability and transparency now I know you're talking about funding um, all businesses I know need to have some type of startup capital, but they, I know it varies, but they don't even know where to start. Right. <laughs> so can you like give 
rough formula or a mm-hmm. number? Well, I, you know, what I would say is every business is different and everybody okay. is different in terms of the stage of, you know, their concept. I mean, some people have thought through everything and they're really ready to go. Some people just have an idea and they don't even know where to start. And I think one thing you can probably appreciate is not everybody needs money right at the beginning. Um, Sometimes it's really about developing your business plan, um, also making sure that you have a product that people actually want to buy. I think sometimes that's the hardest thing about a business is you may think you have the best idea in the world, but until you go out and do, in essence, you know, customer research and all of that, you may find out nobody wants to buy that product. But in in the process of doing that, you may find a product that they actually do want to buy and you may adjust your plans accordingly and so what we can help people do is again you know give them the help they need at whatever stage they're at and then if it is the case that they need capital then we have a lot of options to help them whether it's working with the SBA to help them get you know an SBA loan you know through a bank whether it's trying to you know interest investors and others like I said we created our own fund because we saw a need oh yeah that that Delta I fund that I mentioned previously there was a real need to have funding in essence to validate some of these early stage concepts that people were developing because a lot of times the hardest part when you're starting a business is you've got a product that you're developing but you don't have the money to fully develop it or to introduce it to customers and to test it and that's the money that's hardest to get because it's so high risk nobody wants to give you money for it because if it turns out it's a flop you've just lost it but I was able to raise a a million dollars from a bank to put into a fund that's deployed through a very kind of regimented program to make sure that that money isn't wasted so it's it's basically distributed in very small amounts through a curriculum where people gonna have to meet certain benchmarks and if it turns out that their product is something that the market wants then they get more and more money until they've developed it and then they can interest you know real investors in it who by that point have more confidence because we've already tested it all out so do y'all do y'all do classes Training. We do workshops and workshops. trainings, absolutely, the, especially through the Arkansas Women's Business Center that I mentioned, uh, run by Chauncey Pettis. Um, she conducts workshops and, and different kinds of trainings all over the state. Um, and then, you know, every once in a while, we're running through our Delta I Fund uh, certain kinds of trainings. We, uh, of course, through the accelerators that we run, there are different kinds of uh, curricula that are developed. And then sometimes we have um, just individual projects that we do as okay. well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to ask... Um, also, I know that you're supposed to be running for mayor, right? Yes, sir. So, um, I like this. what is your vision for Little Rock? Well, my vision for Little Rock is one in which everybody has the opportunity to really participate in the direction of our city. Because, you know, the way I see it is we have a ton of talent, um, but we haven't really tapped into it here in the city because, in essence, the city's sort of been run by the same people in the same way for so long. And so... We really need to value our diversity, we need to be more inclusive, and we need to have, in essence, the outreach to ensure that everybody's voice is heard. And then my job as mayor is, if I'm really doing that engagement right, and I'm hearing from everybody all across the city, then I'm finding those things that we can unite around as an entire city and have programs in which everybody participates, everybody benefits, and everybody knows where we're going. And so, in my mind, that includes, for instance, Um, you know, our public schools. Um, You know, how do we make sure that no matter where you live in the city of Little Rock, you know you can send your kid to a great public school. And that's something I think that's very achievable. What we haven't had 
is the political leadership to go in and involve everybody in that process and come up with a plan and have everybody understand exactly what we're trying to achieve and what it's going to take to do it. Um, same things around you know what we're talking about, jobs and economic development. I believe in small business and entrepreneurship. I think that's what drives our economy. I think it's what's the most sustainable form of economic development. And I think it's the most important kind of economic development in the 21st century when we've got so much technology available um, to allow people to do what they want to do where they live. But what you don't see happening in the city is people being made aware of all of the resources that are available to them and focusing on developing entrepreneurs and small businesses in every neighborhood of the city. Yes. And that means making sure you know high-speed broadband is available and accessible and affordable in every neighborhood. It means trying things like what they did in Memphis where they made sure that um, abandoned buildings could be used as incubation spaces for new small businesses that people wanted to try. Because what that did was that started to rehab neighborhoods that hadn't had businesses there. And in essence, you are revitalizing neighborhoods without gentrifying them because you're empowering the people who live there. They're the ones who own the businesses. They're the ones hiring people who live in the neighborhood to work there. And it creates a real virtuous cycle where, again, you know, through employment, through economic independence and empowerment, every neighborhood one by one is able to be lifted up and grow. And, and so, I mean, I could go on and on, but in essence, <laughs> my vision for Little Rock is one in which there's equity. Then everybody in the city knows that they're valued and they have a role to play and that they're part of the city is just as important as any other one. You right. I mean, you, you knocked out like four or five of my questions already. Okay. I know my, my big thing is internet. I feel like if everybody have access to, you know, high speed internet, they can actually do business all over the world. We live in this <laughs> 2018. There's really no excuses besides lack of knowledge. Um, and you talking about you wanted to improve the blighted areas by doing, because one of the other thing issues that I, I see is office space. People have so much, so so many issues in office space. Like right now, the only the only co-office space that I know is Regis Building, and they usually outpriced out of almost everybody. Else. My mail has a spot where I believe it's like a hundred dollars a month, and I was wondering why like Little Rock doesn't have a a you know a co-op. Yeah. Office space. Well, and you know, I created the first co-working space in Central Arkansas at the Innovation Hub that I started. Oh, okay. Uh, which you know, technically in North Little Rock, but you know, it's right there across the street from Verizon Arena. Started it. Yeah, I founded that, and um, and you know, after that, the tech park started, and there's office space there. But again, I think it's you know a little pricier than what it probably should be for for co-working space. And I think it's a big uh, problem that needs to be overcome. But again, I think you know part of it is how do we spread it out so it doesn't have to be just in downtown or in the same old neighborhoods. How do we make it so people can do what they want to do in all the neighborhoods? Because the the way the city is going to be lifted up for everyone is if every part of the city is lifted up. And yes. so you know we need to be really focused on that. And and to me, you know, a, a big part of what I talk about too is just basic infrastructure, which is not sexy. But streets and sidewalks and parks and playgrounds are all really important for our quality of life and how we get around. And I think that our infrastructure budget is not spent equitably because you can see it just with your own two eyes as you go around the city that some neighborhoods just have nicer stuff than others. And that needs to change. And so we make it so that everyone, again, feels equally valued in the city and everyone has the same opportunity to get around and to enjoy a certain quality of life. Because, I mean... Without sidewalks, you know, how are kids going to be able to I walk to the agree. store or to school or anything like that? I mean, these are basic things that we need to attend to. I don't know. I like. I live in Conway, and Conway has 
Uh, I believe that the mayor has like requirement for every business have to pay some money in the fund for sidewalks. Mm. Do you have like an, an idea? Are you open to different ideas? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that we need to be creative and we need to make sure, you know, we come up with things that don't stifle development, yes. but that are smart ways of having development. So, you know, we are an encouraging sprawl, which tends to be more expensive for everybody, um, but we're taking care of you know, all parts of the city, and we're doing it in an economically efficient way, and we're also building for the future. Because, um, you know, a lot of people, for instance, don't want to own a car if they don't have to. And so uh, I know Little Rock has a complete streets ordinance, and we need to make sure that, you know, and anytime there's new development or a revitalization, that we have sidewalks and bike paths and other things for people to, to utilize. Because uh, Little Rock is really known as a bicycle city, and I, I think that's really a, a good thing. And something else I wanted to ask you about the innovation hub. Mm -hmm. Now, um, is there because you helped founded it? Is there programs that help um, disadvantaged youth be able to access to? Because I've, from my understanding, is like six hundred dollars a month or something like that. Mm -hmm. right no, now, for the, for the kids. No, 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 no. I mean, there are programs for for scholarships for kids who again can't afford it but it, I mean it's much cheaper than that and, and we have different ways people can participate there are after-school programs there are summer camps there are different kinds of activities that go on there of course we have school field trips that go there all the time but no there are a lot of programs to make sure that um, you know under-resourced youth in particular are able to have access to the facility and that was a big part of why we created it in the first place and I, I just to add on to that, I would think that we need to use because I know that some reason Little Rock like to keep all the money in Little Rock, um, and I understand that. But they have, we have a lot of YIP sites, but I don't see the YIP sites actually using the Innovation Hub. Mm -hmm. So you know, you had these kids you're really just doing basic homework and stuff, and they're not really being inspired. Right. Yeah, I, I think that you know when we created the hub, the whole idea was to have a place where people could get you know access and visibility on things and put their hands on things and try things that they otherwise wouldn't be to achieve that goal that you just mentioned to be inspired because there are too many young people who in their own neighborhoods they don't see possibilities because maybe nobody who lives on their block has the type of job that you know where they're you know doing something other than you know a service job or something like that um, and then their schools don't have, you know, that equipment and technology or teachers who are knowledgeable on how to teach it and all that. But all it takes is one spark. Like I've seen it so many times at the hub where a kid can come in and, and put their hands on something, try something, whether it's robotics, whether it's computer coding, whether it's welding, whether it's an art, you know, type project. And all of a sudden you can just see the light bulb go off and it's something they love to do. And then when you can tell them, you know, this is something you could do for a living. This is something you could do as a job. You can make good money. And they're like, really? And then the confidence also that it, it inspires when they try something and they are actually good at it. Um, it's mind-blowing. And to me, it's a lot like sports. But we often don't give kids the same opportunity to try these kinds of, you know, technologies or vocations as we do you know, letting them see if they can shoot a basketball or carry a football or whatever it is. Whatever. Yeah, and so, you know, why not give these kids, you know, that kind of, that opportunity? And so to me, again, I've seen that happen on a daily basis at the Hub, and it's really remarkable. I want every kid to have that chance. And I, I might have the numbers a little bit wrong. I know from the study from uh, UCA, they were saying that 71% of the jobs in Arkansas only able to fund a person like 
for mm-hmm. for the income and stuff. So, like, what is your ideas to increase that? Because I I noticed like especially in, in Little Rock, um, the average rent is about a thousand dollars, and in most uh, most renting places require you to have three times that amount. Right. So that really puts most people at nurse status or teacher status, mm-hmm. and everybody else is kind of squeezed out. Yeah, I think that, I mean, again, it goes back to this sort of exposure and access idea. And I think, you know, the schools have the biggest role to play in making sure that, you know, incorporated into the curriculum is the opportunity for young people to, you know, try these different vocations and or adopt these skills that can lead to the jobs that we're trying to fill here in the state. And then I think the private employers have a role to play in making sure that there are apprenticeship opportunities or other chances for the students to really, you know, again, get access to, you know, trying out those skills in a real world setting. Because it's not just the skills themselves, but it's also what they call the soft skills, you know, the idea of showing up on time, of dressing a certain way, of acting a certain way that sometimes kids don't have the chance to do because they're not getting that modeled in their home or they're not being taught it elsewhere. And so I think that if, if we can make sure that, you know, kids get the fullest vision of what all of their opportunities are. And, and by the way, you know, some kids should go to college and, and will go to college, um, but we can't just tell people that you have to go to college or you're a failure. We have to show people yes. here are all the different things you can do. And, and the truth is, I mean, a lot of these jobs that are available are very well paying and make people very happy and very fulfilled, and we need them. I mean, you know, you cannot outsource, um, you know, a plumber or an HVAC no. technician <laughs> or, you know, a welder or any of that stuff. I mean, we need those jobs filled here in Arkansas. And, you know, I think we cut off a lot of opportunity for our young people and our citizens when we don't make and, it accessible. You actually go into my next point, uh, the whole trade schools and stuff. So mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of jobs around here in, in Arkansas that's hundred thousand dollar jobs that you only need a high school diploma, like you know, like logging, and you got some maintenance jobs in, in the northern Arkansas, but it's not really been educated or advertised because, like, I guess my parents' or parents are, say, you know, I, no, they don't want nobody to be a maintenance man, but they don't really know what a maintenance man is because mm-hmm. nowadays, twenty eighteen maintenance man is not really getting all dirty. That's right. <laughs> it is. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, I tell people, you know, being an auto technician right now, I mean, it's basically um, not a dirty job because a car right now is basically a computer on wheels. Um, HVAC technician, you know, you're doing computer coding. Um, If you've ever been to the Caterpillar facility in North Little Rock, I mean, you could eat off the floor. It's so clean. Um, So when we're talking about robotics and coding and advanced manufacturing, um, these are clean jobs. They're not what I think people have kind of in their mind. And like I said, they're highly skilled jobs, and they pay well. Okay. And uh, another question is about, um, I know that Little Rock also usually get the, it's a lack of a better word, drop-off spot for people that who get out of prison and jail and stuff. Mm-hmm. So what type like re-entry programs? Yeah. Because like, I, I mentor some felons, and they always hard time finding a, a decent job. Because they, they, from their vantage point, it costs money to be out of jail. It's like 70 bucks for like having the monitor and, and to be monitoring everything else. So they really don't have, they don't have enough money to actually just survive. Oh, and that's the thing. I mean, we need to do so much better when it comes to creating that opportunity because if people have paid their debt to society, you know, I think they deserve a chance to uh, have a second chance. And I also think that we all benefit 
when someone has that opportunity rather than uh, the alternative, which is probably having to go back to a life of crime because they have no other choice. And I've seen some really great programs work where, you know, you provide the kind of assistance, for instance, that we're providing at Winrock, you know, in terms of, you know, giving people workforce skills or helping people start a business on their own, um, which I think are really important. Um, There's a program in Saline County right now where as people are getting close to exiting uh, prison, they have the option of having a job at a facility where, you know, they're bused there in the morning, they work all day and they're bused back and they're paid a wage, but it's basically kept in an account for when they are released. Mm. And when they're released, that job is there for them as a free citizen. Mm. So it's a great thing because then they have a job coming out of prison. The employer has a trained employee coming in and it's really a win-win for everybody. Um, And and the facility itself is, is one that, to your point, was kind of needing skilled workers and so the deal they made with the prison was you know we will train these workers up if they will be employees for us when they get out and we need to be doing more of that kind of stuff because that gives people hope Um, it gives people direction a lot of times you know obviously you don't know what you're going to do when you get out but if you're already given this chance um, it, it, it speeds things up and I bet there are a lot of other employers that could be encouraged to do that. And like I would like to hear about or I know like we said earlier that soft skills is needed and you know regular people just are low on soft skills so i i've seen folks coming out of prison <laughs> their soft skills in the negative area so we need i feel like we need more programs to help build their self-esteem yeah. because like from from my vantage point i've seen like my thing i say uh the the, the kryptonite of a, of a thug is a hug because like they mostly never ever been hugged or show any type of emotion and stuff. So if you act like you care for half a second, they really in it till you show otherwise. Um, so I like to hear about like I know that I went over to Shorter College and they have an education program where I think anybody's getting out like five years or less, you can actually uh, go to school and have an associate degree. But do we have programs to help develop their soft skills? And so they can learn how to deal with the stress and anger and a bad boss. (laughs) Yeah, probably not to the degree we need to. I mean, I think that's few and far between right now. Um, But I think it's something that more and more people are aware that needs to happen. Um, Because again, if if you don't know, you don't know. And I think that's one thing. I mean, a person may honestly not know that they don't need to show up at a job interview with their shirt untucked (laughs) or, you know, acting a certain way. And if they don't know, I mean, and in, in, in essence, it's not their fault. And we need to do more, I think, you know, even in the lower grades of school to start at least making people aware of those soft skills that are so important if you're going to be successful. And I would say even more so now because kids are so locked into their electronic yes. devices and don't feel the need to interact maybe with people as much as some of us who are older who didn't grow up with those things. <laughs> that, that's, so, that's so true. Um, they say that, that telev- uh, not, uh, telephone, actually calling people is going on to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Most people do text and voice now. Um, I don't like being called myself. I'd rather, rather answer a text. Um, something else I'd like to ask is, ask everybody to tell me about a resilient story. It could be a story from personal business. Um, usually I like to think about like when so what I found is most people are right at the finish line when they quit. Mm. So maybe you can tell a story about a time where you was like right at the finish line 
And you was about to quit, but you so glad you didn't. And you didn't realize how close you was. Mm. I mean, I, I can think of almost everything I've ever done kind of fits <laughs> that description, quite honestly. I mean, I, I tell people, I've never had an easy job. Um, I've taken on some pretty big challenges. And, you know, the, the thing that comes to mind most when you say that, though, is I, I was publisher of the Oxford American Magazine oh. for five years. And for the first year and a half or two years, I actually did it as an unpaid volunteer while I had another job. And the reason why is, you know, I stepped in to be publisher because the magazine was bankrupt and in debt. And I was basically just asked, you know, hey, work, can you try to figure this out? And so I said, sure. So I had, you know, my, my other job, but then I stepped in and really tried to fix this. And, you know, throughout the course of the magazine, I mean, it was, it was a constant struggle because, again, it was bankrupt and it was in debt. This was in 2008 that I took it over, and so the economy was in recession. Uh, print publishing was in its worst phase, you know, where everybody thought nobody was ever going to print a magazine or a newspaper anymore. Um, and so I was really having to struggle to be creative, you know, just to figure out how to make payroll every two weeks and, um, and sustain the operation. And, I mean, to make a very long story short, I mean, there were so many hard times and so many struggles and you know, questioning myself or even getting into it, but I really stuck with it. And I also trusted my gut and had faith in some of the ideas that I had. And, and some of those ideas that were a little more creative and out of the box ended up being the things that really moved us into the black and allowed me to quit my other job and just do the magazine. And, and you know, ultimately I created uh, South on Main uh, in, okay. on Main Street. Um, that was my baby. Okay, um, like and there's a thank you up uh, then there's a long business story behind that and I could tell I don't know how much time you have left on your podcast but um, but that's that was sort of to me like the crown jewel of it was you know I'd, I brought the magazine you know into the black and then created the first venue for any magazine in the United States to have to showcase its content and, and it's right there on Main Street in Little Rock and <laughs> that's, that's, that's it's still there beautiful place thank you I mean I love like the I don't eat. <laughs> okay. It's like banana something, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and the food is good. Um, I'm trying to think. Next question. Well, I had another question, but I think I forgot. Do I have permission to use this? Of course. Um, let me see. Thank you. One more question. Who's talking about? Uh, oh, well, I think I'll end it right here. Okay. Well, if you need me for anything else, I'll be always be I, glad it, to. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Freddie. No, this is one I'm glad to get to know you. Yes. You've been um, really, really, really educated. I'm-